Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, this is Allison Kay. It is a gorgeous day where I am sitting today, and we are heading over to San Diego. We are going to talk about healthcare and the medical space and advances and transformations that are happening there. So it is a wonderful, wonderful for me to introduce Naveed Alipour, who is the co-founder and CEO of AI Med Global. So Naveed, welcome to the program. Allison, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, give our listeners a little bit of insight because AI Med Global does a couple different things and all of them really, really critical and important in the world. So tell us what it does. Absolutely. In short, AI Med Global is the umbrella for two companies that I co-founded MCO of. One is Cure Metrics, which are is our women's health suite of products using artificial intelligence to detect breast cancer to the tune of 99% accuracy plus... Mm heart disease from that same mammogram. So it's a two for one. And and we can come back to that and how critical that is in heart health for women. And then CureMatch is our decision support technology that we found. We co-founded with the amazing lady, Dr. Rizal Kurzrock. Uh, That's K-U-R-Z-R-O-C-K for your listeners. If they want to look her up, they'll find a ton of content on her. Truly one of the top oncologists in the world. And what CureMatch does is it's for any man, woman, or child in any cancer, not just breast cancer. And if a doctor wants to recommend a free drug combination, there's literally over four and a half million combinations of beyond human cognition to process that. And that's where CureMatch comes in to be a decision support tool, uh, another arrow in the quiver of the oncologist in their fight against cancer. Yeah. And that's why I said to my listeners is this is big stuff. This is big time stuff. I talk to a lot of people that are in, in different aspects of technology spaces and do different things with... AI and and machine learning, but when you can take it and apply it to things that are life-saving, it is so astonishing. And I have to say, Naveed, I really greatly appreciate the videos on your website. Um, So if people look at at AI Med Global, it really brings home very quickly what it is that you're doing. Let's talk first about CureMetrics and what you are doing for for women and, and women's healthcare, because I think as you said, it's not only about the breast cancer, but I was really intrigued that they can use some of the same technology to talk about women's heart health and detection. So give us a little bit more insight into that. Sure. No, we would be happy to. So heart disease is called the silent killer amongst women because 65% unfortunately die on that first heart attack. It's the first one. It's the last one. Us men, we tend to have symptoms. We have chest pain. We have shortness of breath. We go to the doctor tell us how bad we've been eating and not exercising, and hopefully it's early enough to make changes there, and they put you on statins. Now, just getting on that statin alone reduces the risk of a cardiac event by 50 to 60%. Now, if a woman doesn't have these symptoms, you know she could have a heart attack at the age of 54 and make it or hopefully make it or, or not, but she had no idea she had heart disease. Imagine if a woman goes in for her first mammogram at the age of 40, 
and she's fairly in good shape. She doesn't have to be a triathlete, but she's in decent shape. She doesn't have any family history that she knows of. And she goes in for that mammogram and no extra radiation, no extra discomfort. You're already going through that process for the mammogram. They can give you a breast arterial calcification score, which scores the calcification buildup in the arteries and capillaries of the breast tissue. Now, calcification builds up in all our bodies, but in the heart, if the blood flows faster, so it takes longer to build up. And by the time it does, heart disease has already progressed. In the breast tissue and the arteries and capillaries, it doesn't flow as fast, so it's building up there. And so we can detect it, ah. score it, and we could say, you know, from that, you know, go see your cardiologist or a cardiologist. And now that woman at the age of 40, 41, 43, seemingly good health, and she could be in good health, but she's got these early signs, she can be proactive. She could start eating that much better earlier, exercising even more. Uh, she can get on those statins. Um, and so to be proactive and, and not reactive when, you know, God forbid, uh, there's a cardiac event, which uh, earlier this week, I think, or it was the last week, um, was a, a, a well-known lady, Julia, the, I think she was a author and, and she died at the age of 49. Uh, now, I don't know her history, but we can prolong lives and save lives if we can get a breast arterial calcification score to a woman and her doctors from that same mammogram. Well, and let's jump over then to the other businesses as, as well, because, you know, I'm not that educated to talk about genomes, but <laughs> tell us a little bit more about what what problem you solved through AI and that company. With CureMatch, sure. So you're in Chicago, you get snow there, right? So Dr. Kurzrock, being Canadian by birth, she grew up in Toronto before going to MD Anderson in Houston and then Morse Cancer Center here in San Diego where we met her. But being Canadian by birth, she always said, cancer is like a snowflake. No two snowflakes ever look exactly the same. And so cancer really shouldn't be, you know, by the organ. This is lung cancer, this is breast, this is kidney, this is liver. It should be identified by the molecular makeup of that cancer. And so to get the best care to a lung, let's just stick with the organ because that's how everyone talks about it, to a lung cancer patient, no two are ever the same. So what we do, based on that patient's specific molecular, what's called the next generation sequencing panel, mm -hmm. now NGS panel for short. So we don't do that. There's labs that do this. There's public ones uh, like Gardent or Foundation, which is owned by Roche, or in your neck of the woods in Chicago, there's a very large private one called Tempest. And so they take that person's cancer biopsy, the doctor, the lab, they, they send it to them. And using an Illumina machine or Thermo Fisher machine, predominantly uh, Illumina being the big 800-pound gorilla as of now, they will produce their report, which is a 31-page PDF. And to the layperson, I say it's like the 23andMe of that patient-specific cancer. It says the molecular makeup of that cancer. That's our input. So at CureMatch, we take that in and we have our database that we're always curating and updating our clinical team with our chief science officer, Ali Perlina. And with that, we, we say if a doctor wants a three-drug combination, literally there's over four and a half million combinations. It's beyond human cognition for any oncologist, any human to process four and a half million combos. That's what CureMatch does. And mm -hmm. based on that person's specific molecular makeup from the NGS panel from the lab, and we're agnostic as to which lab does that. And we'll produce that to then get it in the hands of the oncologist and the patient and in the, in the care and the decision-making of what treatments to give them. So, Naveed, I'm just 
again, so impressed at the work you're doing. And I know you have this, this quote on your website that healthcare will change more in the next 10 years than it has in the last 50. I suppose you could even say it's going to change in the next five years, even more than it has in the last 50. Do you find that the establishment, I'm going to use the word establishment very loosely, we talk, like to talk about disruption and disruption sure. of supply chains. Are they happy and ready to receive everything that you're doing? How do the insurance companies view it? Is it something that everybody sees as the right way forward? I know in our pre-conversation, you said healthcare is 20% of the U.S. economy. So there's a lot of money at stake. A lot of money at stake, a lot of livelihood stake, a lot of vested interests and People fight tooth and nail to keep things the way they are if they're mm-hmm. better, right? And so, you know, we could have an hour conversation on this topic. <laughs> we don't have that time. But let me st- preface it with this: there, there's a saying, and I didn't invent this saying. Um, AI is not going to replace the doctor, but mm-hmm. the doctor using it will replace the doctor that is not. So, in some ways, it's been very welcomed. Um, for example, in the radiology space, there's a shortage of mammographers even here in the U.S. Um, and, and so if our AI or in technologies like ours can help turn that general radiologist into a specialist, that's very welcome, right? If in the rest of the world, it's even a more profound issue, right? There's a, in, in the entire country of Mexico, I don't know, 150 million people, roughly, uh, there's under 500 mammographers from last I heard. So breast cancer is a huge problem in the rest of the world. It's a huge problem here. So these technologies are welcomed when it fits very seamlessly into the workflow. Uh, the reimbursement codes are there. You know, it doesn't change the path of the patient coming in and going through a mammogram. It doesn't change how the hospital operates, the doctor, the radiologist, the lab tech. Those are easier. When it comes to technologies where it's going to affect their livelihood, for example, in the U.S., oncologists, some oncologists make a profit on administering chemotherapy. So they buy it wholesale and they will make money on administering that treatment to their patients. So mm. some could say that there might be some players that might be a little threatened by uh, technologies or a change to the workflow that might reduce the compensation they're currently making. If you're going to say, well, you know, just because this drug was good for this lung cancer patient or breast cancer patient, you know, it doesn't mean it's good for the next one because, again, no two cancers are the same. So there are certain challenges there. And at the end of the day, the two deepest pockets in healthcare are the payers, the insurance companies, and the pharma companies. So if you can help them make money or save money while delivering better patient care, that's the easiest way to kind of grease the so-called wheel. Well, thanks for sharing that insight. I want to jump. We love talking about the businesses that you do and deliver, but the joy of talking to founders is understanding a little bit more about their personal stories and what motivated them to start the business and how they got to where they were at. And I, I have to laugh because I, I did look when I was um, doing the research for this call that you started your professional life as a financial advisor. And now you're out changing the world of, of healthcare. And we don't want to cover all the years, but give us just a little like, oh, I, I need to know how he crossed this bridge. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'd like to say that it was all masterfully planned and it wasn't. It was some, you know, serendipity and opportunity. And, and you, you know, there, there was a saying that, you know, everyone gets lucky in life. It's just better to get lucky earlier. 
And I think in some ways, I met some really fantastic people that changed the course of my life. Now, take it a step back. I joke that, again, uh, I've said it often, my wife and I are the black sheep of the family in that everyone's a doctor, but for us, my my father, my brothers, her dad, her stepdad, her sister, and you know we want the path of law and, and business. And so that's where I naturally went to the financial services world. And then I transitioned from financial services to still, you know, in the finance investment world with venture capital, where I met my business partner and co-founder of Analytics Ventures, our our VC fund, uh, Blaise Barlet. He's a Frenchman who came to the US in his 20s. And so we complemented each other well. So if you're ever going to start any business, you don't want someone that's exactly like you. You want someone that is different, right? And so he had the tech expertise. I had the law business. and, And so we were both investing in startups. And that's where in 2012, long story short, we said, hey, let's do this full time. So we started Analytics Ventures as an LLC to invest in early stage software companies. Now, being in San Diego, again, here's some luck, serendipity. Many people don't know. UC San Diego is one of the birthplaces, one of the epicenters of artificial intelligence. And we met some scientists, literally rocket scientists had done work for NASA. And it was with them that we ended up starting CureMetrics. So we personally co-founded CureMetrics and then... We personally co-founded CureMatch when we met Dr. Kirk. I'm imagining your family that's doctors going, Naveed, wait, what? What are you doing? Well, you know, it's so funny because you know, my dad's <laughs> retired now. He's in his you know early 80s and in good health, you know, knock on wood. And, you know, for a while, he's like, what's this artificial intelligence thing? Now he sends me articles all the time. <laughs> he's like, oh, I get it. But no, no you know, joking aside, that's that's where, in fact, the we ended up raising a dedicated VC fund after we started CureMetrics and CureMatch, because we did have investors say, hey, we love these two companies that you guys started, the but for you would literally not exist. How do we get into future companies earlier? So that's how we actually ended up raising a dedicated funded analytics ventures. But my, uh, and this happens a lot in the, you know, increasingly more, whether it's from, you know, big VC funds like Canaan Partners or Domain Associates or Avalon Ventures, where the partners will jump in operationally, you know, as a founder, as a CEO, then jump out. And so that's where since 2019, you know, I've been, took the, I'm still a board member at our other companies, but I'm 99% of my time is, is driving AI Met Global, which of course is comprised of uh, CureMetrics and CureMatch. Okay. So what we also like to do on this show is share some leadership advice and, and business tips that, that people can maybe apply to what they're doing or, or help them think, you know, so you had this background of a financial advisor and, and as you, you insinuated you have a Juris Doctorate, right? Is this just correct? So you have this very kind of way of thinking, and then you jump full on into the startup, the startup world. What are some leadership lessons that you learned along the way that when you mentor other people in the startup space, you know, you would give them as advice? That's a really good question. I would just to hone in on a couple. One, it's truly all about the team. And so try to attract the best people at what they do. So I want someone that's better at me in marketing, better at me in sales. You know, I'm not a computer scientist. I want, you know, the best computer scientist. I want the best genomics PhD expert, right? So you want to build a team and you get the right, you know, you get the right team together, they'll figure out where to drive the bus. So that's one comment. Two, you have to also in, you know, sticking with the analogy and also being in the cancer world, you have to, you know, hire slow, fire fast, right? If, if there's someone that's not working out, you have to make that change because those, the wrong 
team member could be toxic to a company's culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last, I would say, you know, don't micromanage as, a, as an executive CEO or uh, someone in a managerial role. I strongly believe in empowering people. Doesn't mean you don't hold them accountable. But I think when you get stuck in, in the micromanaging role, that takes away from where that respective leader could be more efficient with their time. It also, it makes that employee, you know, less productive, frankly. When you listen to pitches from people that are trying to get their businesses off the ground, what makes a pitch stand out to you? What it, What is it that helps you, you know, get to the yes to say, whether you're going to put in your own money or you're going to make introductions for them to somebody else that might put in money? There's a lot that goes into that. One, at a macro level, it's got to have a massive TAM, TAM being total addressable market. So it's got to be a big market. Two, if someone says they have no competitors, I'm not saying that's an immediate <laughs> no, but it's not good. It, mean, it means they haven't, one, done their homework. Yeah. Because if a market is big enough, there are competitors and that's okay, right? Well, even if they're adjacent competitors, meaning they're not a head-to-head, but they can pick up what you're doing quick. (laughs) Either that or there's overlapping elements, Mm -hmm. right? So for example, for us at CureMatch, we don't want to be a lab. We don't want to touch the physical samples. We don't want to be taking that biopsy sample in, and and we don't want to do the NGS, right? The next generation sequencing. Now, some of those labs do give some known combinations. So one could say they are competitor of ours, but it really overlaps very little because we take the baton from that report they produce and we run much farther with it. So with that, so we need the lab as our, in, uh, the NGS as our input. So are, is there a competitive overlap? Absolutely. But I look at them as a partner and I, I look at them as a way to lock arms and deliver better patient outcomes faster. Very nice. Very nice perspective on that. Hey, what excites you about what's next? Are you going to go in deeper and wider with CureMetrics and CureMatch? Are you looking to add another compliment? What just excites you in general these days? You know, I have to say that, you know, for me, uh, the healthcare space and the convergence of, of technologies, precision medicine, genomics, artificial intelligence, that excites me at a very selfish level. And I, selfish level, I want to live a long, long time. I want my loved ones to live a long, long time. And so for me, it's it's really personal. I mean, to my wife's a Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've had family members pass away from cancer. I mean, so it's for me, it's if we can do things even one day faster, and we're going to impact someone's life, we're going to touch someone's life, if not many people's. And so, where you know, I want try to drive as fast as possible is to on the spectrum of delivering better care for all of us. It's all about better detection, treatment, and monitoring. So anywhere we can use our technologies or develop technologies to not just detect breast cancer, but other cancers, other diseases, be it diabetes early on, be it on the mental health space, right? Anywhere you can detect earlier and then could help recommend the optimal treatment or the better treatment therapies. And then of course, monitoring is, you know, whether it's you know, ColoGuard for colo cancer from Exact Sciences, which is a fantastic public company, to, you know, the I watches a lot of us wear to track our sleep and heartbeats, like, you know, and that's monitoring. I, I in fact, know several cases, by the way, that it was the iWatch that led someone to go in and meet with their doctor, that led them to meet with a cardiologist that then ended up catching 
a potentially very dangerous situation, whether they ended up going in for surgery in one case, which was a CEO of a a pretty well-known hospital that uh, he had a condition he didn't know about. Uh, Mm -hmm. Going in and and then doing an EKG and a stress test because of irregular irregular heartbeats and, you know, that the watch detected and to get on statins and other things. So, so that's what excites me. That was long-winded, but I love seeing how technology can help us live longer. No, I think that's fantastic. Hey, you are such a busy man being a VC, managing all of these different companies. So we're curious, what do you do for enjoyment? What puts the smile on your face at the end of the day? Well, I got a couple of kiddos. Uh, and so we got a pretty tight knit family. And, you know, we like to do our road trips and, and travel and, you know, living here in San Diego, there's a lot of uh, distractions, be it the ocean or, you know, go hiking. Um, and uh, we're, we're a family all of us are quite the movie buffs so we, we enjoy uh catching our our movies whether in the theater now that they're thankfully open or the you know on netflix and so when i have time it's it's a lot of time so with the family oh Navi, thank you so much hey if our listeners want to find out more where should they go and what should they do our AIMedGlobal.com website would drive you then uh, to either CureMetrics or CureMatch, depending on where they have an interest. In that regard, they could easily find us. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm easy to contact. And uh, and then if, if there's anything we can do to help, uh, of course, someone or their loved ones, we'd be happy to do that. Well, thank you. And as I, I pitched earlier, I think it is worth taking a time to go take a look at AI Med Global and just watch the two short videos on the two different companies. Because I, I think to your point, you can very easily see how what you're doing in a very practical way can save loved ones. And and so for that, thank you so much for all that that you do in the Absolutely. world. And if I could add one thing, I almost forgot. So, um, you know, we're going to promote it more as we're coming into the holidays, but we have some a campaign called the Gift of Cure Match, where someone could purchase a Cure Match report for a loved one that has cancer. And so for uh, the podcast listeners, if they go there and they put in Cure Match podcast, they'll get a 20% discount to that if they want to purchase a Gift of Cure Match. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Well, hey, to our listeners, if Naveed said something that you think somebody else needs to hear, please pass along a copy of this episode. As always, we love if you go ahead and rate us at Apple or wherever it is that you listen to this episode. As we always say, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Naveed, thank you again. Thank you so much, Allison. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>